What's up, man? Uh, I'm super pumped to be doing this with you. I think it'd be pretty fun, pretty cool. Um, I want you to start out first. I want you to just kind of introduce yourself. Um, where are you from? Where do you? Well, you don't have to go through everywhere you've lived, but you can say where you. You can say where. Uh, where you currently live, uh, your name, where you're on staff at, and just kind of let everybody, and then, and then um, maybe like your Instagram name or something like that, if they want to uh, follow you or, or YouTube. Okay, so my name is David Sellers. I'm currently a youth pastor in Chelsea, Alabama at New Life Church. Um, right now, I live in Columbiana, which is just a few minutes outside of Chelsea, uh, but currently, that's what uh, that's what's going on in my life, and um yeah, we don't need to go through all the places I've lived <laughs> or countries or anything like that. So, um, how uh, so so is you might not you might not be able to answer this. I don't know. Is uh, is Chelsea the you live in Chelsea or you work in Chelsea? So I live in Columbiana and I work in Chelsea. Okay. So both of these are okay. Like, so church is in Chelsea. Yes, New Life is in okay. Chelsea. Um, so is is Chelsea the goal? I know it is for now. Is it? I mean. I kind of talk about just for a second before we get going what you um, do this do you kind of like so you know where did you how have you grown up uh, as far as um, because of where I want to go with this conversation I want to just kind of lay the foundation of like you know maybe um, how I got here how, how yeah, yeah 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 like so how did you grow up kind of the process to get to where you are and then maybe you can kind of explain a little bit more like where you are right um Physically and spiritually, and then and then we'll kind of go off of that because I know we have some things we want to talk about, but I want to kind of lay the foundation for anybody who's listening. Right. So I guess a lot of it would have to do with uh, so my testimony in essence. Um, so I'm from South Georgia, just as just like you are, grew up in the same place and um, life. You know, I grew up in uh, like the church and like being a uh, a kid running around the church, like being a youth running around the church, like involved in the band and uh, things like that. And um, my mom has been the worship pastor at the church for like as long as I can remember. Um, so I grew up like, quote unquote, a church kid and um, got into high school and really got away from. What do you think? Let me let me ask this question, because okay. I, I have my own theories about this. What do you think is the let's just score carefully? What do you think is the dangers? Because I think a lot of people who listen to my podcast, I know they are church kids. Right. And so what, what is the danger or some of the dangers of being a church kid? Because for me, and a lot of this, um, you know, we went, we, we, we saw each other do this, but like one of the things about being a church kid is I knew what it took to look like a good little church kid. And so I became really good at like being that little church kid. And then when I left, I was nowhere near what that little church kid said that he was, you know. Yeah. And so, just kind of speak to that for a second. Do you have an Do you have an opinion on that, or what? I mean, yeah. Well, when you first started asking that question, the first word that popped into my head was familiarity, being like <laughs> too familiar with the church, and and a lot of people yeah. use the term going through the motions, and it's like we 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 become like so accustomed to putting on a church face, and um, yeah. it's so easy for 
church kids, I guess, like pastors' kids, missionary kids, whatever. Um, Which is basically what we were. I mean, yeah. I mean, you grow up in an atmosphere to where, and sometimes, and I want to be very careful with this statement as well, but we see our parents put on, uh, I don't want to say a facade, but put on a, um, a pastoral face and then they spank us and yell at us when we get home, you know, (laughs) in, 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 in natural, like natural places, like that's where you do it. You you spank your kids when you're home. So I think from an early age, we kind of learn like, okay, we're supposed to behave like this at church. And then we, you know, then there's a, there's more allowance for how we behave at home. Like we can get away with more at home. So I think it becomes um, more so just like being too familiar with just how to act at a specific place, how to act at church, like at the at the church campus, and not. Um, well, it's almost like you have an inside voice and an outside voice. Yes, it's like exactly. you, it's like that's this exactly is how you do it here. This is how you do it there. Right, and it well, it starts out as yeah, that's a perfect example: an inside voice and an outside voice. And then um, the dangers of that, though, like you were talking about, is it becoming something that we just kind of become. It's a facade that we put on as kids that we don't even realize. And then when we leave the church or maybe go off to uh, college or or move or whatever, or or maybe our parents aren't pastors there anymore, then it's like, oh, we don't have to do that anymore. It was never something that was genuine and real inside of our hearts, but it was something Mm -hmm. that we mentally knew. So... There's a lot is of there, ways. There's a lot of things that could. Well, that's you know, that's something for me. That. Yeah, well, that, and and I mean that's good. I I think that I mean we could talk forever on that. I just for me, you know, it's and it wasn't my parents that I saw um not be the same, but it was that I think that because of how I, I think it's because like I associated Jesus and I associated being a Christian more so with like, this is a good thing to do. And I wasn't taught, I'm not saying that my parents didn't do a good job of teaching me because the, the more that I learn, I believe that like my parents equipped me the best to the ability of what they had been equipped. And you know, there is limitation there. We can't put everything like, like you know not that our parents don't make mistakes my parents did your parents did all of that that's that's true but but you have to follow like a a line of like you know we talked about this the other day on the phone is our youth group you know or or whoever we teach they're going to reflect us and and we're they're only you know uh timothy talks about um being held accountable to the level of teaching to which you have received and i think that that's a very real thing is the level of accountability is equivalent to the level of teaching. And so in in two ways, one where I think that I can see in times when the level of teaching didn't appear to be very high, and then I can see how now I feel this like, because the level of teaching that I'm under and the level of teaching that I, the Lord has graced me to be able to, to deliver not meaning some big intellectual level, but like spiritually, like it's like the, it's like the Lord just keeps raising the bar. And that's one thing that I see that I think the church is kind of absent of is I think that what has become mainstream in the church and what's become popular are the things and the teachings that allow us the most wiggle room. Yeah. 
And I, I, I think that I, you know, growing up, I viewed, and I'm not saying that my parents didn't teach me this correctly. I'm saying that I didn't receive it correctly. Whether they taught it to me correctly or not, I don't know because I know the way I received it was wrong. So it was probably my fault. But right. but my point is this. I, I viewed Jesus and I viewed a relationship with him as like just, just what we did that was good. And so I viewed the things that Jesus told me to do and that called me to do. I viewed those as just good things to do. I, and so I wanted to do them because I wanted to be good. I didn't want to do them because I had an intimate personal relationship with him that drove me to do those things. And so now that was, that was the change for me. I, I, I can take you to the place where I was, where I was like on my knees, just weeping before the Lord. And I'd had, this is another big thing that happened for me. And I, this is what I want you to speak on here, because I think this is, this goes to the original question that I asked. I grew up thinking that encounters with God, powerful encounters with God, gifts of the spirit that I had, that I was learning how to use. I grew up thinking those things were for an altar call at church. I never, it never crossed my mind those things were for me to exercise at home or for me. It never crossed my mind that I could have, I don't ever remember being told that I could have an encounter with Jesus equal to or greater than what I encountered at altar calls in a powerful service, you know, once or twice a month. I could have that every day in my prayer time with the Lord. I, I don't remember being told that. And I'm not saying that, again, like I'm saying, I'm not bashing anybody. I'm saying... Jonah didn't get that, and that affected me. And so, is there anything like that with you that you can speak to? That you, I mean, simil- similarly, or you know, for sure. And I think, I think, um, I think, I, I know that there's people that can relate to this. But so, not, I never, for one, I never had that thought either, until you know, within the past couple of years of getting um, in into like relationships with with friends that were chasing God the same that I was and even more. And it's like, we can have prayer groups and we can have prayer time at a friend's house and God can move just like a church service. And so like, I was like, Oh, that's so cool. Like, Oh, I didn't realize that this was like, it it wasn't something that I externally processed, but I internally processed it. You just encountered it too. I encountered it. And so it was like, man, I I feel like this is something that I've been missing. Um, But a big step in my life, and I think it was a—it's uh, something that I've began to learn over the past couple years. And uh, because—and I'll go ahead and say this—a um, prerequisite to like just a lot about me and how my journey with God has been is um, my parents got divorced when I was eight, and so—and they're you know, my dad left the picture for a long time. So there's a there was a lot of just dead time where there was no father figure in my life besides my grandfather who lived six hours away and my other grandfather who lived right like the house next to us. And um, at that time was still kind of absent in in a lot of ways, not necessarily there as a fatherly figure, but as a disciplinary figure. Yeah. And so all that changed. Well, that's dangerous too. That's dangerous when the only time you encounter a male figure is for discipline and not for the nurturing part that males Right. And so that put a big, and I didn't realize this until within the past couple years, I have begun to really understand as a father. And it was never something that I didn't grow up like, man, I'm not going to know God as a father. I I don't know. (laughs) It was like, I didn't know that that was, I had always heard like when people pray, you know, they say, God, the father, uh, father, we ask you, you know, they call God father, but I never 
and my heart knew that it was like, this is a thing. This is a relationship aspect. One of the biggest aspects of who God is, is he's a loving father. And so that, that spiritually, that stunted my spiritual growth in so many ways and then bled over into other areas of my life to where I didn't realize that they needed growth or they needed help. Like I didn't need, I didn't know I needed help in this area because of that. And so it was like this, <laughs> I think of the movie Aladdin and the song, A Whole New World. Like it was a whole yeah. new world when I came to that, like that moment of like, man, God is my father and I don't know what that means. Yeah. And so mentally I set out on this like journey of like, well, what does that even mean? Like I've been missing this my whole life. I didn't even know this was, I didn't, I didn't even know these kinds of things were possible. I didn't know that God wanted to pursue me in this way. And not only that, but I can pursue God from a totally different angle, from a totally different way that I've ne- that I don't know. Because you, because you now understand the relationship that you never understood. Yeah, and it was something that I never knew that I was missing out on. Because during the times of you know going through divorce, being you know like and I, and you know this you know. You, <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows this, but you're my cousin, and we were raised <laughs> yeah. less than half right. a mile from each other, like literally on the same 20 acres. We grew up like together. 200 yards. Yeah. yeah, we could throw a rock and you know hit your mom's car if I wanted to. That's right. But like, right. I didn't know that though. I didn't know that I was missing that. Yeah. I didn't know that it was something that I would need now, like yeah. in friendships, in relationships, and especially ministry, because. Um, Peter tells Jesus to like, uh, I mean, Jesus tells Peter, he said, if you love me, feed my sheep. And so he's talking about like pastor my, pastor my people, love my people. And from that aspect, he's talking about like a shepherd to a sheep. And it can also be viewed as a father to a children, to his children, to, to God's children. So everyone that we encounter is a, is a son or a daughter of God. And so that's a whole facet of who God is that I never I never knew existed that that speaks to that's huge because I believe and I've just seen this in my own life and in the lives of those that, that I get to do ministry with that are close to me is it seems to me that oftentimes I don't know if it's I don't know if if this happened I don't know if we come into contact with it more regularly or if we just notice it more but I believe that more oftentimes than not we have an opportunity to minister most effectively out of the area that we've been most void of God, because that's the area that we now have the most abundance of him that we recognize. Yeah. And I believe that it's because like, you know, let's say that like, like I grew up with an awesome dad and, and I didn't have that problem. I, I, I don't have any negative memories of my father, or any of that. I have negative memories of other things, but not of that relationship. And so, and so I didn't, I didn't, there was never a time where it wasn't hard for me to view God that way. And, but there's other areas of my life where I've had to extremely overcome, like like those that listen to our podcast and, and that are in our youth group know that I've had to overcome addictions to pornography and you know other sexual sins and things like that. That was my stronghold and my plague and things that held me down. And it's now through my extreme dependence on God in the areas that were affected in my life that led to those problems that I can minister most effectively because I rely on him so heavily. Yeah. And what I think is beautiful, and it's difficult, but it's it's beautiful when we understand it, is that when we can take 
the level of dependence, and it, it might be harder for guys, I don't know, but when we can take the level of dependence that's necessary for us to have on God in the area where we've been like the most void of him that we would say, if we can take that amount of dependence that we place on him for healing and we can use that amount of of need for him and view him that way in every aspect of our life, then we become righteous. Yeah. And it's because we go, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like that it's been cool for me. And like, like you said, we are cousins and I, and I, I watch, I've watched every, I've watched all of those things externally. I, I watched you go through. I remember the night when my parents told me that your parents were getting a divorce and I, I cried, cried, cried. And I still didn't understand anything like what it would be, or I didn't understand really even what it meant. And I didn't, it hurt my heart. And that was nowhere near close to what you guys felt. You know, you, you have four siblings. And so, you know, I, I watched it externally and then I got to watch other things externally. But what's been so cool is for me to be able to watch this part. And so, so be able, it's like, it's like if I got to watch somebody get cut and then I got to watch the whole healing process and now we get to see the newness, you know? And so that's been really cool. But I believe that there is beauty in that. And, and one thing that I've been so um, passionate about with testimony is I think that we do testimony wrong. I think that we talk, I think we spend the most time, like think about people who, who give a testimony at church, right? Let's say they're going to talk for 30 minutes. They spend 25 minutes talking about all the bad things that happened yeah. and all the bad things they did. And they spend five minutes talking about the Lord. Yeah. I think if we can establish it's ground zero, Exactly. We can spend five minutes talking about ground zero and then we can do like you just did and we can say, but here, here's the beauty though. This is what happened. My parents got a divorce. I, I didn't have my dad around for a while. It hurt me. Now let me tell you about Jesus. Now let me tell you what God does in that situation, in that scenario. So that's, that's awesome. And I, I love to hear that even, I mean, that's encouraging to me. Um, but uh, anything else you have to say on that? Or you? No, I think that, well, that story is still being written like the, the aspect right. of like those things um, that took place, uh, the effect of them. Um, for one, I want to say this too: like our 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 sin and uh, and us being lost doesn't only affect us, but it affects others. And so, one thing that I've had to kind of reconcile with, and um, I, and I've made several phone calls in the past couple of years, and had several uh, coffee dates and and lunch meetings with people to say like, hey, I've I've been a dirt bag, like. Yeah. You know, just being, yeah. being totally honest and like, and, and I've, and asking that, that forgiveness because the Bible says, yeah. he says, don't, don't bring, God tells us like, don't bring your offering to me when you have aught with your brother, like leave your sacrifice at the altar, go and th- make things right. And then you come That's back right. and worship. Like That's right. he's, he's serious about that. Like our relationships and I don't want to get off on a tangent about relationships, like just in general, but like our relationships are, are serious. God takes relationship right. very serious. He takes relationship with us very serious. And in return, he expects us to do the same to him and with others. That's right. So that's just, it's just a big deal. Um, asking forgiveness, um, not only from God, because God is automatic. Like he's like, when you, you turn from your ways and I'll, and I'll heal your land. Like he says, he says, like you ask for forgiveness, my hand is held out. You know, That's like right. he's waiting on us. I read a verse the other day. There's that never says, a moment where he's like, he, he's not. And that's the thing that I think people like misunderstand, you know, and when it comes to like repentance, like true repentance is that like, 
you know, one thing I've failed to understand for a long time is like what the new covenant that we are living in actually means. And it's like, it's not that, like I used to, I used to subscribe to this mentality and I think it's just religious spirit and religious thinking that like, you know, oh wow, I'm so close with the Lord. And then I'm, I stumble and I mess up. And then I feel like I have to go through this three-week process or two-week process or three-day process of getting back to where I was with the Lord. And that's just so not biblical. There is this, there's not this like, he's not a God who is waiting to punish you. He's a God who's waiting to bless you. And it's like the, it's like the prodigal son because of our humanity. We have made the prodigal son, the main character of that story. And he's not the main character. The main character is the father who's waiting with a robe and a ring when the son comes home. That's the relationship we have with God. And so no matter, and this, this is going to lead us into the next thing I want to ask you. This is what I think is beautiful. No matter the past, no matter if it's a hundred years of sin, at the moment of forgiveness, God is giving you the opportunity for righteousness immediately. It's not this long thing to work through. And we've seen that with you. And so I want, I want you to kind of speak to that. What did the process look like? of, okay, God, I know who you are, but now I know you. And now I want to walk with you. I know there's a calling because I think something else that you've gone through that I think that you can speak to that that people need to hear is that just because you know your call doesn't mean you know your specific calling. And to some people, it may look like chaos, but I think to God, it looks like chasing him. Yeah. And I think that there are people who would look at your journey. I know people who look at your journey and they go, well, David just can't make up his mind. He thinks he's going to follow God and do this. And, you know, he's doing this and he's doing this. And I would rather pursue God and then have him redirect me than sit on my butt and never do anything for him. And so if you want to speak to that or, or whatever, I mean, whatever, I just, I, I well, think that's something I wanna, that you've gone I through. I back up to something you said a minute ago because... It was so powerful and it's so evident. And that was you talking about when, when we sin, we ask for forgiveness, and then we our our human nature makes us go like back through this yeah. three week process. And that's and what that is, it's none other than the purest version of us holding on to guilt and shame. Yep. And so that's something that was also nailed to the cross along right. with our sins. Shame is right. is is an identity that the enemy tries to give us and it's not ours. That's right. So just as me and you choose, when we wake up in the morning, we can choose to put on whatever shirt we want. We can choose to put on forgiveness and freedom that is rightfully ours because God gives it to us. Or we can choose to live, we can choose to put on shame and regret and guilt. Now, shame is one of the number one things that kills people. It kills people spiritually because we think that once we sin, like, Oh, I need to walk. I need to. I need to feel the pain for this, man. God, I messed up. I need to. I need to feel this shame. I need to feel yep. like I've been punished enough to like pay pay some sort of like debt that God already paid. Right. Right. But we we think that we need to suffer a little bit or suffer like a specific amount before we even go and ask forgiveness from God, and that's not that's who right. He is. And so it's because the problem is you're not asking for forgiveness. And so what happens is you sin and you open up that doorway for the enemy to come into your life. So the whole time you're working through this quote unquote process, you're never shutting that door to the enemy. Well, what we do is we say, God, your price wasn't enough. I need to pay. That's right. 
And that Dang. is heresy. That's, That's right. a lie from the enemy. And That's so, right. like if, and, and it's, it's crazy to say this, but this is how God operates. When you sin in that moment, if you turn to him, if you turn and ask for forgiveness, you are forgiven in that moment. That's now, right. That's what right. comes into your mind, the thoughts that come into your mind that bring shame, that bring guilt, that bring all those things of regret and remorse, you can choose to think on those things. You can choose to suffer that, but you don't have to. That's the thing. That's right. You do not have to do that. And I think that's one of the craziest things is, is that for some reason we can't get the grasp on what real freedom is. Yeah. And that's what real freedom is. It's it's understanding and and. I'm not saying that like you'll get to a point one day to where like you'll be able to ask forgiveness and not feel anything. No. Yeah. But you'll get to a point to where you understand in your heart and in your head that you can walk in freedom or you can walk well, with shame and, and unforgiveness. That, and that's what that that to me is so like because you have two camps. You have the camp that says it's a process to work back and you have the camp that says, well, it's all covered in grace. Yeah. It's all covered in blah, 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 and you can do whatever you want. But this is the problem. This is where you have to find the middle ground is this, that it takes true repentance in order to have forgiveness. And true repentance means I change my mind and I don't see the thing that I did the way that I used to see it. And so when I change my mind and I begin to do it differently, this is the other thing that I I told our youth group this is uh, Emily and I have a ninja blender that that we use for like smoothies and stuff. It's super insanely sharp. Well, there's a difference in me turning on that blender and sticking my hand in that blender and destroying my hand on purpose. And there's another difference in me taking that thing apart and as I'm cleaning it, I nick my finger on it. And I still got cut by the blade and it was still a mistake. And I still am like, oh dang, that hurt. But the difference was my heart when the thing happened. And I believe that it's impossible. This is the other thing that I... Exactly. And so I believe that intention a lot of time is what like if you do, if you if you go into a sin knowing you have forgiveness and that fuels you to sin and feel OK about it, then you then you're not you're not repentant. Yeah. And so and so what you, I, I love what you're saying is that, you know, when when we truly repent. That forgiveness is immediate, and we don't have to. God forgets about it, so we don't have to remember right. it. And and I think that something that happens is we devalue, like you just said, we devalue the blood of Jesus, yeah. and we have to understand the amount of value that God places on the blood of Jesus, and we cannot value it the same amount as Him because it's impossible. But for us to value it any less intentionally is, like you just said, heresy. It's yeah. so wrong. It's so jacked up. It's, it's a claim that God, that the price that Jesus came and paid was not enough. That's right. It's a, when we think that we have to suffer a little bit more for our own sin, like, man, I need to just hold on. It's, it's, for one, it's not fully accepting what Jesus did on the yeah. cross. And right. two, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sin against ourself also. Well, it's, it's like the story of Elijah where Elijah's calling down fire for, on the altars and the the prophets of Baal are walking around their, their sacrifice cutting themselves and whipping themselves and beating themselves hoping that if they hurt themselves enough God yeah. will do something God will have mercy it's the same way we, yeah it's the same way we do it so, so anyways okay so here's here's what I want you to speak to now I want you to, so you live your life you go through the process you you uh, your parents get divorced when you're how old were you I was eight okay so you're eight your parents get a divorce 
you go through this process, um, you, you learn and you're growing. At some point in time, you understand, okay, uh, I got to switch it up. I got to do something else. Um, I need to follow you, Lord. I hear you. I've heard you for a long time, but I know that it's time to change. Okay, so from the time that you say that, you start walking. I want to know a couple of things. How old are you? What does it look like? What does it cost you? And did you immediately, was the first step you took, did it lead you to where you, where you are right now, or has it been a process? Oh, man. I know the answer, but I want you to, I want you to talk about it. Well, it's, it's crazy because all those things, there's a, in, at the very, very beginning of this uh, discussion, you said, we don't have to talk about all the places you've lived, but like, <laughs> but I, uh, so when I was 18, I graduated high school in, August, uh, in May, and then that December of 2013, uh, I moved to Jacksonville to go to welding school, got super involved in a church down there, um, started going on mission trips. I went to several different mission trips, several different countries, um, like saw God move, like personally saw him like do miracles. People were saved, salvations received, like all the, all the, we'll just say all the things, like all the product of following the Lord, like not only did I see it, but like I was a part of it. I got to be an influencer in that. And at that time in my life, I was, uh, there was some things like relationship wise, um, not specifically with a girl, but just with people in my life at that time um, that I didn't really know how to handle. Um, I didn't know how to go about removing myself uh, from some, Situation. So, uh, and also at that same time, uh, our granny was going through chemo, and um, she actually passed away very shortly uh, after this uh, all took place. But so I got to a place of just like stress, immense amounts of depression and stress going on in my life, not really knowing what to do about it, where to like where to go, how to get help, who to talk to, and so I packed up uh, Jacksonville and came home, uh, moved back in. And I got several jobs. Um, and, and that's one thing is it's kind of crazy. Like I've never had a problem uh, making money. I've never had a problem getting a job anywhere, getting hired on or whatever. I worked at the power company for a couple months. And then um, I moved up to Birmingham, Alabama, uh, was a welding supervisor at a big plant, at a, a auto truck plant for a little while. And then um, things happened uh, with – some management things happened and in the company and a bunch of people got let go. And so I was like, man, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like my whole time in Birmingham, I was going to a great church once again. And, uh, but I wasn't pursuing like this call that I had on my yeah. life and I knew it was ministry. I didn't really know what, how, how long, how long do you think, I don't know a specific age for me. And so you may not either, but how many years do you think it was, Leading up to now, how many years have you known there was a call, but you kind of were like in a biblical Jonah scenario where you're like, I know it's there, but. Yeah. Well, for one, like I had this call to missions. Um, Pastor Jonathan Borden took me yeah. to my first quote unquote youth camp at Camp Timberlake in Georgia. Um, it's where, so, it's where my wife and I met. That's right. That's where you. Exactly <laughs> that. um, so I was at Camp Timberlake. I was 13. It was my first year in like the youth at Lakeside. All right. And. Um, okay. I knew that week, like, yeah, we went the third week of camp that week, and I don't remember who the speaker was, but I remember Josh Hires band was there from 
uh, Lakeland from SEU, from yep. Southeastern yep. University. That was the band that came and played that week. But anyway, um, I knew that the Lord wanted me to do missions, and I knew there was a call to missions on my heart. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I told Pastor Jonathan about it. He was like, man, that's awesome. So we prayed about it the whole week, and I was just like, it was like at that moment it was stamped on me. It was yeah. like I know this is going to be part of my life one day. You know, I was 13. It's like you can't go to the mission field when you're 13. Yeah, exactly. And so all that kind of came back around full circle when I started doing mission trips when I lived in Jacksonville. And I really felt like I needed to, pers- to pursue that. But at that time, I was just like, man, I got I got a great job. Um, I had a girlfriend at the time. I was like, man, I'm, a, I'm about to get married and settle down. And, you know, and <laughs> which was so far from the truth at that t- at that time. Um but I just kind of put everything like that's an idea for later. Like I, I held on to it, but it was like, I'm not going to jump on that right now. I'm not going to pursue that right now. I moved to Birmingham. Um, had a great job, made even more money than I did in Jacksonville. And then got let go from that job um, because of just uh, a bunch of things going on in the company. They, they let a bunch of people go. And so I was like, man, what am I doing? My God, what am I doing? And then a pastor from my church down in Jacksonville called me. He was like, hey, um, we're going to uh, Ecuador. He's like, I want you to go. I need a welder to go. So I'm like, man, I have no money. Uh, things with my job just just fell out. He was like, well, just pray about it. And it like all pastors say, like, oh, just pray yeah, about just it. Pray, yeah, exactly. Just pray about it. <laughs> and um, so I was like, oh, okay, Pastor Jordan. I'll just pray about it. <laughs> so he calls me the next week and was like, hey, I want you to pack your bags. Uh, we're leaving in two weeks. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, Last week when I got off the phone with you, it was a, apparently it was a Wednesday. He was like, last Wednesday, I got off the phone with you and went to church that night. And a gentleman came up to me and wrote a check and said, this is for David Sellers. Oh, wow. Some, and he wouldn't tell me who it was. They didn't, want, they didn't want me to know. And I had not talked to anyone from Evangel Temple in a little over, in probably around two years. And wow. Except for Pastor Jordan. He called me. He was like, hey, wow. someone paid your way. I was like, all right, Lord, this must be it. So I went wow. to Ecuador. Um, crazy things happened down there just awesome like God moved God another like stamp on my life like yeah. this like this time stamp of like I'm calling you David like I'm calling you out right now David and so I was like Lord I hear you um, the missionary's name was Joel Marbit uh, incredible man of God and um, we talked about an internship and so that was September of 2018 and then I was supposed to go back for an internship in February of 2019. Uh, and things I got back into, like I moved back to Jacksonville right after that trip, started working and sort of preparing uh, to go back into the mission field. And then I just kind of put things on the back burner again. And I didn't go in February. Um I had a good job for a little while, but I didn't, I wasn't doing what I knew the Lord had like set me apart to do. Yeah. And then, um, you know, seven or eight months go by and last August, uh, it was, it was at my birthday. Uh, it was my birthday weekend. I went down to Orlando to help out with general counsel and, um, we, we were babysitting. <laughs> we were keeping every kid that was on all the missionary kids and pastors kids that were at general counsel they do this thing called ISMK, which is International uh, Student Ministries for like uh, missionary kids. And so I just volunteered as a church member at Evangel Temple in Jacksonville. Like, hey, I'll go down here and, you know, babysit pretty much for a week. 
And the, when I volunteered for that, the Lord said, hey, you need, like, I, the Lord told me, like, in my spirit, like, you need to get a hold of Joel Marbit. So I messaged him on Facebook, and he, you know, he's in Ecuador at this time, and I uh, messaged him, and I'm like, hey, man, I, I think I, I really blew my shot. Like, I really blew it. Like, I knew the Lord wanted me to do the internship. Like, I knew that was the next step for me. And I completely blew it. And I hadn't talked to Joel in months. And so this was like my moment of like reconciliation with someone else with, a, you know, again. Um, yeah. And he was just like, hey, don't even worry about it. We got another one coming up in September. He was like, raise your money, buy your ticket, you're in. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to come up with $6,000 <laughs> in like two months. This was August 10th when I when I messaged him. It was on my birthday and yeah, September we in, 7th. We were at the beach and you called me and were telling me about it. Yeah. And we, I was like sitting on the beach and I was like, what are you talking about, dude? What in the heck? <laughs> uh, everybody always does that to me because – because of things like you know circumstances and, and situations <laughs> like this like it's like god will call me somewhere and i'll go and then i'll yeah. get there and be like yeah. like i have this like history that the yeah. lord is is mo- has moved me out of because i don't claim that anymore that's right but the old me was like i would go somewhere like hot and ready to like do the yeah. lord's work and then be like man this is cool i'm just gonna chill here for a while yeah. and then become complacent in that area well, that that's something though too, and I don't want to. I want you to keep talking about what you're talking about, but I, that's a good point because I, I've done that. And I, I haven't done it as much with, um, I haven't done it as much with like a large scale thing as I have with like, I'll feel the Lord speak to me on something, and I'll go, I'll go to our leadership team, or I'll go to our ministry team, or I'll go to my my youth leaders, and I'll go, okay, here's what we're gonna do. Boom, we're gonna do this. It's gonna be great. And I'll like lay it all out for him. It's awesome. I've got like a PowerPoint presentation because it's freaking awesome. Let's do this thing. And then like two weeks later, I'm like, all right, is there something else we can do? This is kind of boring. And it's like, Like and and, and exactly. But but what's, what's helped me with that and, and what I think I now have the opportunity to do, what's helped me with that is the leadership that I'm under. And so that you have that person who goes, okay, all right, this is your idea. Cool. All right, let's focus on this idea. Now let's take this thing and let's cultivate you. Let's work on you. Let's make, let's make you the person who can accomplish this thing. And so, you know, at any point, and I'm not asking you to say anybody did a bad job. I'm saying, is there a difference now or, or let me go back and say this, was, was Pastor Joel a difference in leadership that it took to, to get you to the follow through? Did it, take a, did it take you having somebody, because it's one thing, and I think that students need to understand this too, is that like, as a student, as a young person, you're not going to accomplish the call in your life by yourself. You're not going to you're not going to accept the call to be a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, an apostle, a prophet, a missionary, a, a whatever. You're not going to accept that call and then because you accepted it at 14, you go, "Wow, I have this amazing understanding of how to do this now." It's not going to be that way. You need somebody to Absolutely. teach you how to be what you're called to be until you reach the point where you can now have the Lord teach you and you can walk in it. But I still think you then need to have a, a, a spiritual father. You need to, I, I am of the belief that you always need to have somebody who's pouring into you and somebody you're pouring into. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to answer your question, absolutely. <laughs> um, so Jonathan Borden, Pastor Jonathan, um, yes. who was our youth pastor for a long time, he actually time, yeah. dropped everything moved to Bethlehem, Israel, to yes. be a missionary. Yes. 
And yeah. so I look at him as a spiritual father in the sense of, in, in many different senses, but yeah. specifically yeah. for the fact that he's someone that poured into me that he, he would follow up with what he said he was going to do. Yeah, and right. and in, in the, to the extreme of picking up his family and his life and moving to another country, which is something yeah. that God has, has placed on my heart for since I was 13. Now, I'm in yeah. the process now of going through what that looks like. Yeah. So PJ Which is important. Absolutely, because you learn things on your process that you'll that you'll need to get where you're going. The things because I'm learning God, now, I'm going to need where I am. That's right. God doesn't God doesn't call the equipped. He equips, he equips the call. Who he calls. Yeah. And so you're in that equipping phase, and I mean that's where I'm at. That's where yeah. we're all. I mean that's where we're at. You'll you know always be in that phase. So you that's just right. embrace that's it. Right. One that's thing, right. Another thing too, uh, Joel, Pastor Joel, the uh, the missionary. He yeah. was the same way. He poured into me, and I looked up to him because he practiced what he preached. He, he's lived on the mission field. He's lived in the jungles of Ecuador since he was 24. For the wow. past, I think he's 44, 40 now, 44 now maybe. But And I don't want to call him old man, but like he's been on the mission. <laughs> he's lived there for 20-something years. Like for, for my he's lifetime, done it. yeah. Yes, I'm 24 yeah. years old now. Like for as long as yeah. I've been alive, he's been doing what I know the Lord has called me to do. So That's what good. better person to learn from? Yeah. So as spiritual fathers, like absolutely, it's key. You have to have someone pouring into you. Jordan. Well, that's because like was always someone that was pouring into me, and he was on that's my like, case all the time. <laughs> that's my spiritual father. It's like that's how it is. It's like the 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 waiting process like like the span of time from the moment he received the the vision and the calling of what we are now walking in to the moment that he that he did it was the amount of years as how old i was when i started yeah uh in the ministry with them it was like my lifetime up until that point was how long he had been waiting and I was like, this is insane. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. and so then for me to be 17, 18, 19 years old and go, well, you know, I just really want to do it right now. Exactly what I know I'm called to be. And what's so stupid that we do is like what I knew I was called to do at the moment that I stepped into what we're doing now was not even, it was like, if I said, Hey, look over there, that's a person. And like now I'm like, hey, look over there, that's David. You know what I'm saying? Like it's got it's like way more specified. Like yeah. I knew generalities, and now it's like God is zeroing in and tightening in that view, like that lens. And anyway, so all right, so you are on your you you go to the um on your birthday, you go to yeah, or you get the, the Okay, there we go. So general counsel, and he's just like he's like, Hey, uh, the next internship is 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 this time, these are the dates, this is how much money you need. I got a spot for you. And I'm just like, all right, Lord, by faith, like, uh, if it's God's will, it's God's bill, that whole mentality. And, um, which is so true because if the Lord is going to bring you to something, if he places something in your heart, then he's going to prepare, he's going to, he's going to prepare a way for you to get there. Now it may not look the way you think it should. Um, but he will. So just trust that. And timing is everything too, because when I, and, and, and to, you know, to go back, like, my trip was fully funded in less than four weeks. Wow. Fully funded in less than four weeks, which was mind-blowing. I'm like, God, you want, you definitely want me to go like, because you're going to have to do it because 
I have no money right now to put towards this. Like I, I was checking and making sure my passport was up to date and like all this stuff. Bought my plane tickets um, and my insurance for the trip while I was there. Like it was all like at this at like it was all just like happening within like within a month, and it was just like before I knew it, like I was on a plane. And I call. I remember it's funny what you said about like people think that. You know, when God tells you to go somewhere and you go, people think you're crazy. I remember telling my mom, and she was just like, "Are you serious? Like, are you like?" I kind of, and I don't mean to call her out, but she's just like, I felt this like again, like in her voice, like, "Can you just yeah. stay still for a little while?" Yeah. Um, but I remember having that conversation with her. And, well, you know what's cool too is, and I, with many people, I talk to a, I, well, I talked to a few people. Not like I didn't call them about it, but like in conversation, they'd be like, well, you know, David's going to wherever or, or no, I know why it came up. It came up because you called me when I was at the beach and I, I like called my mom the next day. And I was like, did you know this? She was like, yeah. And I was like, well, why didn't anybody tell me this? And she was like, oh, we just, you know, forgot about it, whatever. And it's like everybody that I talked to had the mentality of like, well, David's doing this again. Yeah. Except, David's going somewhere ex- again. <clears throat> yeah. Again. Except for except for our grandpa who, and this is why it's a, it's, this is an important point to me is because I tell people all the time that the grandpa that I have now and the grandpa that I grew up with are not the same people. And, and well, I also say that the grandpa that me and you and, and your older brother had are not the grandpa that our little siblings have grown up with, um, in a good way. And, um, this is why I think it's important because when I left, um, I mean, I live about five hours away from where we grew up. And when I left, the Lord told me that I needed to go have, um, our grandpa bless me and the ministry that I would be a part of. And I needed his blessing to leave because he was the father of our family. And so I went and spent the night with him. I didn't tell him why I was there. And and Papa, too, growing up, I I never really had a lot of opinion. Not that I didn't like think he had one, but I didn't have really an opinion on how strong I felt like he had a relationship with the Lord because he never really talked about it. Granny Granny talked about it all the time. She, she sang the, about she it. Was, she, yeah, she was the she, external um, yeah, exactly as far as that goes. Yeah. That's right. And so um, Granny had already passed away at this time. And so I went and stayed with Papa. And um, it was just us. And we were sitting on the couch. And he was asking me about Emily because he always wants to know about her anytime I call him. He doesn't really care about me anymore. And um, now he wants to know about Josiah. I'm kind of not important anymore to our family, but it's whatever. <laughs> and so and so we're sitting there talking. And I was like, well, Papa, I said, the reason I wanted to come tonight, I said, I, said, I really feel like that I need you to pray for me. Uh, and I just want to have your blessing to go do this. And I want you to anoint me. And Papa's like, well, I've never anointed anybody before. And, um, anybody <laughs> who knows like me, so I can hear him saying like, yeah, exactly. Well, anybody who knows me and you knows that we're, I'm six, five ish and you're like six, four ish. Yeah. And we're the biggest people in our family next to my dad yeah. and our Papa, a Papa He's might five, be the six. smallest person in our family. Yeah. And so guy. I, I, I'm like on my knees in front of him and I'm like almost, you know, like face to face with him and he takes olive oil and he like pours it all over his hand and then runs it through my hair 
and then just like all over my face. And it was like the most oil I've ever had in my body at one time. <laughs> and he starts praying for me. And his prayer was like the most, like the Holy Spirit just fell in their kitchen with me and him in there. And it was just a super powerful time. And the reason I'm saying that is because I talked to all of these people and they all were like, you know, well, David's doing this again. David's doing that again. And then I talked to Papa and Papa said, I don't care what that boy does. As long as he follows what God tells him to do, I'll never question it. And that to me is the mentality that we need to have with people that we love if we're going to encourage them into growing into who they're called to be. And I know there was a lot of times that I went to my parents and I said, God told me this. And they, and in their brain, they were like, that's you're stupid. But they said, all right, well, if that's what the Lord showed you. Then we need to, we need yeah. to look at that. And there, and, and if I was wrong, they just let me be wrong, but I was wrong in pursuit of the Lord. Now I'm not saying that we let encourage foolish decisions. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that if somebody that we know is seeking the Lord, who are we to tell them it's not God? Because there are a lot of people who told us when we moved here and my in-laws started a ministry with a bunch of people who were under 25, they were, who had no ministry experience other than I had like I had like six months of being a children's pastor under my belt. And they were like, that's stupid. But they knew it was God. And so... My my point is this: If anybody's listening to this, if you're if you're a student, I would say if you if you believe if you are convinced that it's God, go after it. And I would say, parents, if your yeah. student is convinced that it's God, with wisdom, guide them and support them. If you discourage them, here's the danger: If you discourage them, you may be discouraging them from what God's called them to do. If you encourage them with wisdom and they're wrong, then it just becomes a learning opportunity. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, I wanna, so anyways, I say this real quick, um, because this is, this has been a hard, hard lesson uh, that I have, for some reason, it's taken me a long time to, to realize this. And, and sometimes it's, sometimes it comes easy and sometimes it's like, oh, wish I could just get this. But whoever's <laughs> listening to this, I, if there's anything you get from this discussion, slow obedience is disobedience. Slow obedience is disobedience. If you know that the Lord is calling you to do something, if the Lord is calling you to move somewhere, if the Lord's calling you to the mission field, if he's calling you to ministry, and you don't pursue that above everything else, that's disobedience. That's good, man. Slow obedience is disobedience. And I promise you, there, there's an old song that, Jonah, your dad used to say this all the time. And it's an old country song. And you already know what I'm talking about, but he was just like, <laughs> Uh, I think it's Tim McGraw, but he says, can't tell me nothing. I had to yeah. find out for myself the hard way. Yeah. Y'all, we do not have to live like that. I think he played that in a youth service. I think he played that with the ly- He gave us all a sheet of lyrics, and he played that country song in a youth service. Like I a, believe it. Like a redneck. But if, if there's one thing that your dad has taught me, man, I remember that. And me and your dad yeah, have had good. a lot of conversations. And and even like within the, the, the recent year, we've had a lot more uh, in-depth conversations, but man, slow obedience is disobedience. That's good. God calls us to action. He, he's calling us to action. He's already called us to action. What if Jesus so. had waited on his calling? Man. I mean, you know, what if Paul had waited? What if, you know, Moses had waited? And, and, and that's the other thing, too, is, you know, Moses, Moses, when, when God calls Moses from the burning bush, Moses lists 
consistently all of his shortcomings and God's like, dude, just do it. Okay. I, I got you covered. Just do it. And Moses is like, but I'm this and I'm this. He's like, do it. He's like, but I'm this. He's like, do it. And it's like, that's as a student. And that's not all that listens to this, but I know that there are a lot of students. So that's why I want to address him is like, as a student, you are going to have in your eyes, you're going to have shortcomings when it comes to your calling. But God calls you so that he can tell you what he's equipping you for, not just so you can go do the thing he is calling you to. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of our callings, I believe, are because that gives us direction for our personal growth. And and that's important as well is for us to have a goal and have th- something that we're focusing for. So, OK, so you go to was it Ecuador. Yeah. All right. So you go to Ecuador. And uh, I go to Ecuador in September, and man, it's so hot. Like, let's just go ahead and lay that <laughs> on the table. Like at night, like there's no, there's no air condition in the whole country. They just, they just don't have it. You know, it's a third world country. It's crazy. Um, we ate, I ate so much rice and chicken and just like French fries. Like that's like the main thing there. And there was an awesome ice cream shop. Okay. You could go <laughs> like, through a good bulking phase there, dude. Well, I went through like withdrawals from Dr. Pepper because they, there's Coke oh, and Sprite sure. and that's it. And man, you know how much I love Dr. Pepper. But oh, um, yeah, heck yeah. just an epic time there. We got to go into villages uh, that are, you know, 15 hours, you know, outside of any city. No lights or anything like wow. that. Like National Geographic kind of things. Wow. Um, like, it, and I don't mean to, I don't say this frivolously, but like the places that where there's no law, um, there's no, there's no military coming to get you if something happens. If you, you know, if you, if there's a medical emergency, like you're, you are on your own. And um, also, if, if you, you can, you can do the wrong thing there, and um, like, you, you make the wrong person mad, and they will, they'll kill you and throw you in the river with, with no remorse. Like that's the kind of places I, that, that, um, that I was able, that I was able to go and bring the gospel, and share the gospel. Even with a language barrier, God made a way. And Joel has been working in this in this country and in, in these areas for the past twenty something years. They're not developed. We I slept in hammock uh, in hammocks probably like um, a quarter of the time I was there. Wow. We're, we're in villages in hammocks, but it's incredible to see how how God loves someone like me and someone like them who like those Ecuadorians yeah. and there's indigenous people there called the Shuar and um, Shuar people they don't speak Spanish they speak Shuar and it's only a uh, verbal language it's not written it's anywhere not written. there's no wow. there's no rec- recordings of it or anything like that you can't look it up and read Shuar like you can't on like a computer grab a book and learn it no it's it's passed down verbally by speaking and so like okay. with a language barrier like God provided ways uh, like people that were that, that God put in Joel's path, uh, like within the past couple of years, that he's been able to reach different areas and different communities, um, and things like that. So I mean, I can go and talk about Ecuador uh, for a, you know forever. It, it's just something. It was another one of those stamps on my life to where like, hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing this for a purpose. Yeah. And um, what's crazy is that the very last week I was there, uh, there was a team from. Chelsea, Alabama, that came from a little church called New Life. Um, and the pastor, his name is Matt Britt. And I got to spend my last week on my internship was his week that they came. And uh, we went out to a village and slept in a hammock. 
uh, near this guy. Just got to hear his story, talk to him. You know, he asked me stuff, and you know, we just got a lot. There was a lot of dialogue that happened within a week. So he left, and then the next day I flew out of country back to the states. The first thing I did, y'all, Chick Fil A was closed. It was a Sunday. <laughs> the first thing I did was go to Chipotle, and I think I ate like two like bowls of food. like I was just like, oh, I'm back. This is great. Like it's food, epic. Baby. And so yeah. that was on a Sunday. I got to go to church that morning because my flight landed really early. And then the next day on a Monday, uh, my car got repoed. I had oh. saved up money and paid my payments in advance. And my car got repoed the day after I got back. Dang. And so I call and they're like, we want this amount of money up front. And I'm like, I came back to the, I just got back in the States yesterday and I have a hundred dollar bill in my pocket. Like that's all I have. <laughs> And they're like, we want like, it was like $3,600 to get my car back, plus still making payments on it. So that wasn't even a payoff. That was just to pay fees. And so I'm like, all right, Lord, like nothing catches you by surprise. That's right. Like you knew this was going to happen like before I was born. Like you already knew there's a plan. So I, I've just got to trust your plan. Help me trust your plan because there's no, like I have a fresh repo on my credit. I can't just go get a loan to get a car. I don't have any money for a down payment. Like, all the natural things are, are telling me, like... Stacked against you. Yeah. The odds are against me. So, for five weeks, I'm, like, using Ubers and getting friends to drive me back and forth. The church hired me on uh, to work, like, uh, with maintenance and stuff like that. And I uh, was helping out this with the This is the, the church in Jacksonville. This is the church in Jacksonville. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, I should have prefaced that. But, like, they hired me on to work with maintenance and so I was remodeling and redoing, and the church is going through a little bit of construction. So I was really like helping out with that. And the last day of September, in I mean the last day of December in 2019, on the 31st, I'm headed to Passion Conference 2020 uh, to Atlanta, and I get a call from a guy that says like, "Hey, what you doing?" And he's a gentleman that goes to the church, good friend of mine. Um, I was like, "Well, I'm headed to." passion he was like i got a i got you a truck i was like what so i got you a truck man he's like the title your uh your name's on the title uh you just gotta go pick it up from the dealership um and it's and you say dealership you're like this guy got a brand new truck no it was a it was a 1994 chevrolet silverado uh with only 133,000 miles on it like nothing wrong with it and he gave it to me and so i've been five weeks without a car and i'm just balling in the back of this I car bet, with my man. friends and I'm like I don't know I don't know what to do like I want to go back like take me back to Jacksonville I don't want to go to Passion I just want to go get my truck um, but God provided that's right like it wasn't in my timing it was five weeks after but it was perfect timing and yeah. God did not let me leave 2019 without a vehicle that's and also I, I skipped over this but two weeks after I got back um, Pastor Matt from the church called me the one you met in ecuador the one i met in ecuador he called me and he okay. was like hey david um like we caught up for a minute and then uh he was like hey uh the reason i called you you've been on my heart ever since i got back from uh ecuador and he was like i know your plan is to to do missions like that's your that's your calling in life um he was like but you've been on my heart and me and my wife and uh the deacons and our board members and the elders of the church have been praying about you specifically. And um, he was like, I have a request to make. I was like, okay. He's like, 
I want you to uh, pray and fast about coming to be my youth pastor. Like out of left field. Yeah. Out of left field. Like I hadn't even, I hadn't talked to this guy in two weeks. Like I've been back in the States. Like I've been going to the beach and going to work and like hanging out with friends with no car. Like I'm like, I'm like, Lord, there's no way I can move to Chelsea, Alabama. I don't even have a vehicle. I can't even get home. I got to call my buddy. So you had got, you had got the phone call before you got the truck. I had gotten the phone call like three weeks before I got the truck. Oh, wow. So yeah. I got back November 24th. Two weeks after that, the beginning of December, uh, Pastor Matt calls me. That's cool. And so awesome. like, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll pray and fast about it. And so I get off the phone with him. And I didn't tell him this at the time, but I had this peace like, okay, Lord, I think yeah. this this is what you're doing, isn't it? And I, I didn't hear the Lord say anything, but I was just like, okay, I'll pray and fast. So, bro, for the next four weeks, I'm talking about one meal a day, only drinking water, like praying and fasting, crying out. Like I lost weight. I got sick. Like I went through a bunch of physical problems of like, but I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm doing this because this is the only way I know how. Like, yeah, I can't get there without you. And I literally like can't get there if you don't provide me a vehicle to get like I can't do anything without you. I literally can't get, I literally there, can't get there without you. And um. What a so, place to be at, though. What a, I mean, what that's yeah, full that's dependency. The place we have to be full to be built up. Yeah, like when you hit rock bottom, there's nowhere to go but up. Like I've, I've that's heard right. that so many times, but being able to like saying that like I've lived through that, like yeah. even for something as simple as like I didn't have a vehicle, and I'm praying about a job, but it wasn't just a job. Like this pastor, this shepherd of a flock, has invited me to come. And to link arms with him and shepherd a flock of young people in his community, yeah. like to be a leader, yeah. to be an influencer in this community. So, like, I took it very serious. And, and you know the weight, you know that weightiness, yeah. that yeah. that. And and there's no burden because Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden's light. That's right. But there's there's weightiness to it. Like it's a heavy oh, yeah. it's a heavy thing. So in the middle of all that, I'm still working and stuff. And. I get four phone calls within two days of people that know nothing. I didn't tell anybody I was fasting. I told two. I told two. Two of my confidants who are both pastors, and um, and I told my mom. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, just let you know, like, <laughs> I think the I'm Lord's doing sick. something." And yeah. that was a great conversation between me and her. But um, I told her, I said, "Out of obedience, I have to pray and fast. Like, whether this is it or not, like, I have to know." Yeah. So I talked to two of my pastor friends, and they're like. We'll be praying with you about it. Um, That's the other thing really quick is it's okay to pray and fast and get a no. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like don't be scared to get a no. It's going to be a yes. Yeah. Well, the other thing is too, like when you get a no, just be like, thank you, God. That wasn't your plan. I'm, I'm going to, no. okay, sorry. I'm glad I didn't yeah. make that mistake because uh, exactly from the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Anytime. I'm oh, sorry. Side note. <laughs> but, um, so I call him, Pastor. I call Pastor Matt four weeks later. Oh, after I got four different phone calls in two days, uh, one of a lady uh, that goes to my church. She goes to Lakeside. I won't tell you who she is though. Uh, she's not family, so that narrows about. <laughs> that takes about half of <laughs> half, half the congregation out. Um, but she calls me. She was just like, "Hey, uh, the Lord just wanted me to call you. I, I haven't talked to this lady in like three or four years. She's like, wow. she's like, I think you're." Uh, think you're at a not at a roadblock but you're at a you're at a crossways where you can choose a fork in the road she's like you can choose either one 
one's going to be good and one's going to be great. Wow. And I was just like, in my head, I'm like, that does not help at all. Like, <laughs> that makes no sense. That doesn't yeah. tell me anything. Yeah. And, um, Confucius. But, yeah. Well, and, but she prayed at the end of it. And she was just like, Lord, he knows what to do. You, you've given him wisdom. And, like, she prayed this prayer, and it was this long prayer. And I was just like, man, that's so good. Like, Lord, you have given me wisdom. I know your voice. Right. I know that's what right. you've called me to do. So why would the next step in my journey be something that would diverge me from where I'm supposed to go? Yeah. So like in this process, like ministry, a, a, a ministry position, like as a, like what better way to learn how to um, be a missionary than first being a pastor or a youth pastor? Yeah. And sure. so like that was the first thing that I kind of felt in my spirit, like, Lord, this is a big stepping stone, but okay. So she prayed that prayer. That was in the morning sometime. I got off work, and I was in the car with my buddy. He was taking me home, and we were going uh, we to stop and get him some food and me a water. And we pulled up to the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, and I just lusted after the smell of, of chicken while I'm on a, while I'm on a fast. Chicken. <laughs> and right. The Lord's chicken, yeah. And um, I get a phone call from a guy, and he was just like, hey, man, uh, Lord just wanted me He's like, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to call you. And he was like, I don't do this. He's like, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be calling you. Like, right now, maybe I was just supposed to pray for you. He was like, but um, I just want to pray for you, okay? I was like, okay. He prays almost word for word the same exact prayer that that lady prayed. Wow. And I was like, that's no coincidence. Okay, Lord, like yeah. you have my attention. Yeah. The next day, I get two different phone calls from two different people. One of them lived up here, and one of them uh, lives in Orlando which is just wow. like a church friend of mine that I had met before. Yeah. Like, hey, I just want to pray for you. Like, I feel like you got some decisions to make. Pray the same prayer, man. Like, yeah, just crazy awesome. stuff. And I'm like, okay, God, okay. Like, yeah, I get I got it. You. I hear you. I hear you. So it's like December, like, 27th, I think. Or maybe this is the 28th. I call Pastor Matt, and I'm like, hey, let's do it. He's like, I'm in. And pa Matt goes, I know you are. He's like, I knew you were. I was just waiting for the Lord to like confirm it with you. He's like, it's been you, man. I, I knew when I was in Ecuador. That's and I was good. just like, man, why couldn't you, if you just told me then? Like, I'd have been for it. Like, you know, like <laughs> save me all this this process. But it like that was kind of my process of like bringing me from like not only just from state to state to out of country to back to state, you know, like just those places like physically, but like like I needed that spiritually. I needed yeah. that mentally, that season that of fasting, season of, of moving, of, of following. Um, it all brought me to this understanding and this learning of like how the Lord speaks to me. Because the yeah. Lord might speak to you a lot different than he speaks to me because of That's right. my receptivity, your receptivity. Right. Just the way that we hear things and the way we listen, it just might be different. That's right. So that was a, that whole season, one of the biggest things I picked up on is like, Lord, this is how you speak to me. Yeah. Like I can look for you in these areas. You reach out to me this way. It was just it was just a cool thing. Um but yeah, I mean it's been a process and it's a process now. Like there's things that I'm learning and I and I feel like the best way to learn is out of your comfort zone. And Dude, I say this all the time. God will never call you inside your comfort zone. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Ever. He will never go Absolutely hey, not. What are you really comfortable with and what makes you really just like, because here's the thing. Where do you thrive? Your, your comfort zone has to be his presence because then you'll never be outside of your comfort zone.
and you may be uncomfortable, <laughs> your flesh, but you know, until this is one thing I've learned recently until, you know, the Bible says greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. So we have to consistently do things that strengthen the he that is in you and weaken the he that's in the world. And it, those th- being outside of my comfort zone and being dependent on God makes me come to a place where I go, okay, I need you. I can't do this without you. You're the only answer, the only way. Yeah. And um, I'm going to have to rely on you here because I don't know what the heck I'm doing. You're right. You know? Absolutely. And that, that's, that's so, that's so true, man. That's so good. Um, one thing that, so that, so, so now we're here where you are, right? Yeah. We're here. And what's crazy that, too, I want to I want to preface something real quick, because um, I, I talked earlier about reconciliation and having to like, uh, you know, making some c- tough phone calls. Oh um, yeah. And they were not all received with the forgiveness that um, <laughs> I expected, quote unquote. No, but that's um, on them. It, it is. It is. And asking forgiveness is is not always for the other person, but a lot of times it's for us. Uh, right. And I'm not calling anyone out on that because I, no, I know no, that yeah. there's things that like because that goes both ways. Um, but the one thing I want to, that I want to like touch on really quick is, um, that whole thing. Like if I didn't reach out to Joel when I felt like the Lord was, you know, urging me to do that, like I never would have gotten there. I never would have, I never would have like, and if I would have saw him in Orlando, I probably would have been, you know, maybe cold shoulder or worried that he was going to like, yeah. You know, like say something, it would have been an uncomfortable position. Yeah. But one thing yeah. that he always said, and, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll wear this till the day I die. And one thing he told me in Ecuador, it was probably one of the first things that he said to me, like in person over there, he says, Hey, you got to embrace the suck, That's embrace right. the suck. And I was just like, man, that is a raw way to put it. But like, embrace it, embrace yeah. uncomfortability, embrace, like, embrace being outside of your comfort zone because that's where God's going to, that's where God's going to surround you with things and that's where he's going to use you and reach you. That's, that's what, um, in, in, I think it's Romans. It's somewhere in the new Testament. Paul says that having partaken, or it's like that there's beauty in the suffering. Yeah. Because the reward, we know that if, if we partake in the suffering here, the reward that we will receive will be just beyond comparison. It's not even, it's that like the uncomfortability and the suck are not even comparable to the yeah, level of blessing that you're going to receive. Absolutely. No, that's so good. And w- one thing that I thought about as, as, um, as we, as we, uh, as you told your story is that, you know, King David in the Bible was he was anointed three times before he was king of Israel. Mm. He was he was called from the field when he was anointed by Samuel. He was anointed as king of Judah, and then he was anointed as king of Israel. And there was these processes and these steps. I don't think it's coincidental that that's how God speaks to us. That's what he does with us. And so, you know, I think that you have to, especially it's important to understand as a student, like as you submit yourself to like this is my calling, like don't expect the next month or even the next year to look like exactly what your calling was. Like there's a David was David David got anointed, King David got anointed as king of Israel and then he went back to be a shepherd yeah. in the field. For he years. went back to do exactly. And it's a it is a keeping 
keeping constant thought and watch over your calling because uh, Romans 6.18 in the Amplified says um, that um, being becoming a slave to righteousness is being conformed to the divine will of God in thought, purpose, and action. And I believe prophecy and like receiving a glimpse into your calling is your purpose. It's getting a glimpse into your purpose. And so if you don't have thought and action to supply and, and, and achieve the purpose, then you're never going to see it happen. Yeah. If you just have action, then I, I think I think like what you said earlier, before you just had actions, but you didn't know the exact purpose, so the actions were wasted. Yeah. Or then you didn't, or, or maybe you had action and you had thought, but there was no purpose. Or maybe you had purpose, but no action and just thought. You know what I'm saying? We go through this time and it takes a complete unity of thought, purpose, and action for me to achieve what God's called me to do. And it's only at that point that I become enslaved to righteousness and I can truly start to walk in who God's called me to be. And that's like with me stepping into all that God's called me to, it's like the level of revelation, the level of relationship, the level of a lot of things, revelation that I receive, and I just said that twice, I don't know, the, the level that I receive now after understanding and walking in what I've been called to, because like you have to go through this process of like accepting the call, just because God called you doesn't mean you've accepted it, you have to accept the call, then you have to understand the call, and that doesn't mean that you fully grasp it. But I believe that once you know what you're called to do, begin to look at godly examples of what that looks like. So you can begin to understand a little bit of it, characteristics of it, so that you can see the things in your life that don't line up with that, and you can see the things in your life that do line up with that. And you can begin to walk holistically on what you're called to do. That's awesome. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is what we talked about the other day on the phone, is what... Because I, because I want to, I want two things. I want to lay this out for youth who are who are under a student pastor or a youth pastor um, who maybe doesn't do this, or some who do this. And then I want to lay this out for maybe any any uh, youth pastors that maybe listen to this, um, or student leaders or anything like that. Is talking about creating culture in in your youth group. And one thing that I I said is that you know I don't have a desire to like people who come to our youth group. I say this all the time. People might disagree with me, and you can disagree with me. That's totally fine. I'm not saying that this is the end-all, be-all. I'm saying that as far as what God has lined up with Walk It Out Student Ministries, which is the student ministry that we have, the model he's given us is this. We do not come to church to play games. We don't gather around games. We gather around the presence of God. So the model that we have at our church, I'm not saying this is the only way to do it. I'm saying this is how the Lord has shown us to do it. The model that we have is this. We don't play games on Wednesday nights before service. We don't play them after service. We come to church for worship and for the Lord. But we have extracurricular meetings that we have that are only for fun. Yeah. They're not to have a Bible study. They're to have fun and fellowship together. But this is my point is this. My, my goal in what I want to create in our youth group is I want to create an atmosphere and a culture that is a culture of the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to create a culture of the youth group down the road. They can go there for that. I don't want to create a culture. And I tell them all the time. I'm like, dude, if you want, if you want to play games, 
that's that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. There's churches that do that, and, and I will encourage you that if we don't offer what you want, you can go there, but we'll never be about anything other than Jesus. And I'm not saying that games don't glorify Jesus, and you can't, I'm not saying that at all. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is that I believe, and I told you this the other day, when we dumb down a service, we, we after a time, after a while, when we, and this is one of the things that, that, um, in South Georgia, one, the guy that I was um, uh, did children's church with when we when we stepped in as children's pastors, we looked at it and we were like, "This is basically daycare, and we're not equipping these kids to You're become students." Exactly, and I'm like, "That's that's garbage. That's not what we can't let them just go in there and watch a cartoon. That's not what it is." So we begin to teach those kids pretty much like we would teach their parents. Not exactly. We obviously used fun illustrations and things like that, but the meat of what we taught them was meat. And those kids, there was a regular occurrence that their parents were waiting for them because the kids were crying at the altar seeking the Lord and their parents were having to wait on them. And it's because when you teach Jesus, the word does not return void. And and so I didn't understand a lot then. I was really foolish, but the Lord, his grace covered me and I was able to still minister. But... My thing is, I want you to speak to part of what you're doing there because I know you're you're doing. So I basically started a youth group from ground zero, and what you're doing is now coming in basically to a youth group that that has had to be like you said the other day, like fifty fifty. So like the I think your lead pastor was doing youth as well, right? Yes. And so you're having to, in a sense, create a culture as well. And so two things that I wanted to say: one, the beauty in what I have and what I think you have is that. You have to have, like, if you want a youth group to flourish, you have to, and I don't mean flourish in numbers, I mean flourish in in their spiritual growth, because I'd rather have 15 kids that are legit and in love with Jesus and on fire for him than I would 45 or 145 or 445 that just want to come because it's a social gathering. I'm not saying that because... Like, I'm trying to make small numbers okay. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that because in the church as a whole, there is there is a need for souls to come into the storehouse. That's, that is my passion. I want to see people get saved. But if we're not equipping and growing the ones that are already there and the ones that are... If we're not equipping them to go out and reach people, then we're not doing anything. And so... Yeah. Two things. I believe you have to have a, a lead pastor who values and views student ministry as a valuable ministry. Not as a stepping stone, not as secondary. You, you can't have that. And you also can't have a youth pastor who views youth. It aggravates the mess out of me to hear a youth pastor say they're going to be a youth pastor until they get to be a senior pastor. That makes me want to smack them because then they're not there for the right reason. You should like whoever I get to teach. And, and I have the opportunity to teach adults on a regular basis to teach, you know, students. I get to teach different age groups, but, but this is my point. Whoever I teach, my goal is the same thing. It's, you know, what Paul says, my goal in coming to you is to see Christ and him glorified in your life. That's what I want. And so um, speak real quick to like kind of your heart for the culture of a youth group that you're creating, because I think that's important. Um, and then maybe speak a little bit to the to your I think you already have a little bit, but kind of maybe speak to the um, the last thing I want to do is this. speak to the culture of the youth group and the value of the relationship between you and your lead pastor. OK, perfect. Um, well, I'm actually going to do those opposite. Um, so That's fine. for one, uh, my lead pastor, uh, Matthew Britt, he was actually the youth pastor for the past 20 years here. So I'm wow. very blessed, and I, like, I count myself very lucky to uh, to have someone that cares for youth ministry the way that he does. Um, 
someone who not only has just done it for four or five years, but like someone who dedicated 20 years of their life. He was a youth pastor here when he was when he was 22, and uh, now he is uh, 42, and he has just come. He has just stepped into after a lot of prayer and fasting on him, on him and his wife's part. Um, they stepped into the pastoral role last February, back in, no, 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 I believe the summer of last year. So it's very new to them, but the value that he has on youth ministry is, is like no other. Like he didn't start off like with that mindset and that mentality that you were talking about. Like, I'm going to be a youth pastor and then move up to a senior pastor. No, like his calling yeah, was youth. Is, is, is a, yeah. Long time. Like that's four, like if you take four, um, like the, your four years of like, or what is it? Three years of middle school and like four years of high school, whatever, like that seven year gap, like seven times three is 21. So like almost three generations yeah. of like, of him watching a sixth grader go to a 12th grader, a sixth grade or a seventh grader, whatever, yeah. uh, go to a, tw- like he watched that three times. Um, yeah. so like for one, that's beautiful to me, that um, is, yeah. that he, that he has had the opportunity to do that, that the Lord, what's even cooler is now he's probably still pastoring some of those same people. Yes, he is, and that's what that's what I was just about to say too. Though, so we did our we recorded our our service for Sunday, um, our, earlier th- uh, this evening, and um, one yeah, of the guys the that way, came and ran sound. What the heck? <laughs> We're having to become like tech geniuses. It's all online. It's all Anyways, online, sorry. bro. It's cool. Um, no, but one of the kids that was in his youth group, uh, uh, he's a grown man. He's not a kid, um, but he's in his thirties, and he he came and helped run sound tonight. Cool. So not only, um, not only is he this guy still in church, but man, he's still he's now like was in the youth mini- youth ministry under Pastor Matt, and now he's in like adult ministry under Pastor Matt. That's and cool. one thing uh, Matt told me that was really really cool that that I that I hold on to is that um, he said we're not here to make good thirteen and fourteen year olds, but great thirty and forty year olds. That's right. The Bible says, "Train up a child in the way that they'll go, That's right. and when he's old, when they're old, they will not depart from it." Like we're planting seeds that we may never see the fruit to. Yep. We may never see that even you know the tree grow up or, or that seed sprout. But like our job is to is to create culture, to create space for God to come in and fill, That's to create true. opportunity for these kids to experience the the presence of God, the power of God, the healing power of God. Uh, the presence of a loving father, like it's, it's our, and, and I count myself and I know you do too. I count myself so privileged to be like a, at a viewpoint to where like, <laughs> you know, like literally as a job, as a profession, like I get to watch people encounter God, yeah, like right. God, God trust. And it's a, like I said earlier, it's a weighty thing, but God trusts us with that. Like there's a, there's a, there's a weightiness to that because God trusts me with those kids like those parents trust me with those kids. And so um stepping out of that question uh, about Pastor Matt like um he's he's for whatever I'm for. He's he's been behind me and he's like you know whatever you need if you need guidance, if you need help, if you just need a sounding board, he's like talk to me. And we have a great relationship. Uh we have a great accountability um between each of us and uh we and, and it's easy to say that we talk on a daily basis uh yeah. about our personal lives about um, like he's a, he's a spiritual father to me. Um, like I was saying earlier, earlier, like he's been there and he's done that. And like, well, there's a lot of al- almost think, as long as I've been alive. I think there's a lot. Of, and I'm not saying you have to be best friends, but 
I think there's a lot of youth pastor pastor relationships that that they literally see themselves just as like you know work colleagues, colleagues. Yeah, yeah. and the the yeah, youth I pastor thinks that the senior pastor is too old and doesn't know isn't relative irrelevant and the the senior pastor thinks that the youth pastor is weird and wants to do crazy stuff and so then they just kind of do their own thing and it's like that's not like that's not what we see Paul and Timothy doing you know what I'm saying like it's not what we see happening that's right that's exactly right that's exactly well, well here so and this is another thing that's a good point too you know in in um i think it's in genesis um like 30 something uh the bible says that you know the tent of meeting the original place where moses would go to meet with the lord was actually moses's tent he would take it outside the camp and it says he would go there and the pillar of cloud would come and rest at the face of the tent and then god would meet with moses face to face moses and joshua would both go and god would meet with with moses face to face and then it says when moses was done talking to the lord he would leave the tent and then it says and it specifies this it says and then joshua the son of nun a young man would stay behind and I think that that's something that's important because it shows to me two relationships that Joshua understood the value in. He understood the value in the leader that God had given him. And he also understood the value in God as a leader. Oh, yeah. And oh, that's powerful, man. That's huge for youth ministers. It's huge for students in youth ministry. It's huge for people who have a boss that they don't like. It's it's huge for anybody is that you have to understand the value of the leader God's given you. And you have to understand the value of God as a leader as well in order to walk fully in your calling. So that that's, that's awesome. Okay. Culture of a youth group is the last thing. I know this is going to be a longer one, but I don't really care because it's going to be, it's good stuff. So, yeah. Um, well, it's a lot like your um, our phone call that you know me and you uh, had the other day. We kind of just preface and outline some things that we were going to talk about tonight. But one of the main points that I'm making or that I made, uh, and I think this is just you know like you can you can pin this on your wall. Like it's just, it's something that'll never change, um, and it's that. Uh, and Pastor Matt actually uh, he talks to me about this all the time because. It's something that's relevant just in life in general. And um, they'll, he, he always says, like, the kids will hear what you say. The congregation right. will hear what you say. But they will become who you are. Right. And it's such a powerful thing because, um, <laughs> and parents make the mistake. I, I've heard this so many times, like, uh, do as I say, not as I do. And that's yeah. not, that's not how we're wired, like, as that's people. That's jacked up. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't watch me make a mistake. You do as I say. Like, no, we have yeah. to, and, and it's the simplest, and I don't want to make it sound simplistic, but the simple saying, uh, like, lead by example, we have to do that. Um, if I want my kids to encounter God through worship, then, man, I need to be seeking and to encounter God through worship. I need to have my hands raised, singing my heart out. And I'm not talking about just, you know, just flaunting, like, you know, things no, like that. No, you need to be going but it needs to, it, yeah. They, yeah, but they need to be watching me pursue the Lord. That's right. That, and that needs to be something that is... It's, it's Paul. Follow me as I follow Christ. Absolutely. And then he, absolutely. he says multiple times, he says, I'm going to send you Timothy so that he can remind you of how I live. He didn't say, I'm going to remind you of how God is or how, what Jesus did. He says, I'm going to remind you of how Paul does things. Yeah. Because if you look like Paul by default, you'll look like Jesus. Absolutely. And that's what we got to cool be. about kingdom culture is that like we're supposed to look like the kingdom. 
We're supposed to That's mimic right. the kingdom. Like when my kids see me, I, I don't want them to see me, but I want them to see a representation of who Jesus is, of who, That's of, right. of, of the father's love of, um, of the fruits of the spirit, joy, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like all those things should be a byproduct of my relationship with the Lord. They should be things that, that my life is producing because of the of, of a genuine relationship and a genuine love of God and genuine time spent with the Lord and, and genuine time spent in prayer. Like if, if I want my kids to go deeper and like, like on an intellectual level, then the way that I teach, the things that I talk about, they need to be right. spiritually, not not just biblically and spiritually sound, but like, Stop giving your kids milk. That's right. Give them meat. Give them scripture. That's right. The more you do that, they will attune their ears to your voice. And the way that you present things, the way that you talk about things, they'll become accustomed to it. So if you want to... You have to call them up higher if you want them to come higher. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one thing that... um, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, that's one thing I've always been told, like, um, it, like from a ministry, whether it's been um, in uh, the college age ministry back in Jacksonville, uh, youth ministry in Jacksonville, uh, on the mission field in Ecuador, um, and even here, like it, that all falls under that category of um, what were we just saying? It falls mm-hmm. under that category of, of leading by example, of yeah. doing those things and make sure that we're, we're spiritually uh, grounded to right. lead to lead like that that's what we're that's what we're doing and whether you're on a pastoral role whether you're uh like whatever you're doing there's someone watching you there's someone watching you whether it's your kids whether it's the neighbor's kids whether it's um you know wherever you are no matter if you're in if you're sitting in a classroom and you're and you're a seventh grader in a middle school someone's watching you that's right that and that this is what i sum it up with this this is my goal with our student ministry, this is this is my goal with any ministry that I'm involved with, and anything that we do is I want to literally be, and we have to understand we have the opportunity to be. We can be the manifestation to the answer of Jesus's prayer in the garden when he says, "Father, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." We can walk and live in the answer to Jesus's prayer that he prayed. That to me is beautiful. And that to me, when, when we're walking in that, then we're walking in kingdom culture because we're walking in his kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think it's so easy as a youth pastor, as a senior pastor, as a children's pastor, as whatever, especially when you're new on the job or you're fresh and hot on it. Because you, you a lot of times we come in and I think this is, people complain about uh, politicians with this is we come in with an agenda and we come in with, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to change this and I'm going to wear this and I'm going to look like this. And I'm going to cut my hair this way and I'm going to talk this way. And we come in with all these preconceived things of what we want to do and how we want it to look. And the reality of it is if it doesn't look, if it, if you're, if you wouldn't be comfortable with saying that service, that message, that conversation I just had with that student, that, you know, that prayer time I just had with that student, that worship session, we just, whatever it is, if that thing, if you're not confident saying, hey, that right there, that was us walking and living in the answer to Christ's prayer. If you're not comfortable with that and confident with that, then you're, you're missing something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, well, not just something, but you're missing like 
all everything. of it. <laughs> They're missing yeah. everything. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, that and, and that that goes back to what you said earlier too. You know, in this on the same vein as like slow obedience, disobedience. It's like you know, following God ninety nine point nine percent is following Him zero percent. We we serve an all or nothing God. Oh, so if your youth group absolutely. if your youth group is missing something, it's missing everything. Yeah. And so that's awesome. But um, well, dude, this has been awesome. We need to do it again. I, I enjoyed it. We'll um, we'll we will uh, do another episode again. Soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you need to start you a podcast and then we'll do one for it too. <laughs> All right. So, I'll probably just post well, this one. I got a YouTube channel for our youth group, so I'll post uh, yeah, if you send yeah. me this discussion. Uh, yeah. I'll let it go on there. Uh, one thing, sure. one last thing I wanted to um, to give you to just encourage you and um, and anyone listening on this is uh, something that Pastor Jordan, who's our missions pastor at my, my old church in uh, Jacksonville, the last thing he told me before I moved up here, he said, whatever you do, David, he said, keep your calling fresh and your surrender current. Good. Keep your calling fresh and your surrender current. So that calling that I felt the Lord um, imprint on me when I was 13 at youth camp, like I didn't keep it fresh for a long time and God had to remind me of it. But what's an awesome thing, like I think about sometimes, like what if I was the one reminding God? Yeah. And not that, not to assume that he forgets because he'll never forget, no, but what, but if, you had what to, if we were that is. eager? What if we were yeah. that eager all the time to serve him? Yeah. And then we keep our surrender current, like a daily surrender to the Lord, a daily surrender to um, to the things that He wants to just teach us during the day, on a daily well, basis. The things He wants to just impress upon us, the time that He wants to spend with us. That's right. Like that's a surrender to Him. So keep your calling fresh and your surrender current. That's good, man. That's a good way to end. Thank you. Uh, I love you. I love you too, you. buddy. And uh, I enjoyed this, and and um, we'll we'll get it up soon. Okay. Absolutely. All right, dude. See you. All right, we'll see you.